Also, if you could give the channel a like and subscribe, all of those things really do help out. And today's guest is the one and only Chris Van Heerden. Chris, thanks so much for being here, man. My guy, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's an honor and I'm looking forward to this. But before we start, I need to just say this. Van Heerden. Van Heerden. Van Heerden. <laughs> I love it, man. Chris, you're a South African professional boxer and a former welterweight world champion. Let's go. After starting your professional boxing career in 2006, you quickly emerged as a, as a top fighter on the entire African continent. And now a celebrity trainer, your mission is to inspire others through your story. And you have a documentary coming out soon. You're also a two-time marathon finisher, which I love. And thank you to Mary Jo Deutschman for connecting us. Your Instagram is at ChrisVanHeerden001. Chris, uh, sorry, Chris Van Heerden. <laughs> my bad, I, uh, my bad. I'm working on it. I love to start these podcast episodes with this question of inspired living. What does inspired living mean to you? You know, if you ask me, inspired living means to live a way where you obviously inspires the ones around you. Live in a certain way, do certain things so your friends and the people close to you can can find inspiration by the things you do, by the things you say. Yes. Yes, man. Man, I love talking to champions too. Like world champions, you, you guys are like a different breed. And there's something about you guys. Like, what is that? What is that little you know, you know, I actually had a conversation the other day with a friend of mine. I said, you know what? I can go to, for some reason, I can walk into a room with strangers. And the moment I'm being introduced and the introduction goes, oh, meet my friend Chris. He's a professional fighter. Men are gravitated towards yeah. me. Men are automatically, because I think I'm, I'm portraying that, that, that alpha male, like, oh, I'm a fighter. I, I don't know what it is. But uh, men are automatically drawn towards me and then before I know it I have a, everyone standing around I'm talking I think it's because of because of that because some part of you if you if you have a wife you have a girlfriend if you know whatever every man wants to feel like they will be able to protect their woman right every man wants to feel like oh my woman looks at me like you know I am the man and I think as a fighter that is what we come across as that that male male I can go deep and say, if you get to know me, I am equally, probably equally as scared, if not more than, than the normal guy on the street. Like I am not all of that, but, but I can, when the situation or the, the, something occurs, I know I have the confidence to do what I have to do, but I think that is it. Yeah, I was just going to say confidence. I heard you on another podcast talking about confidence, talking about the way you walk down the street, the way you hold, you know, carry yourself, right? My dad, my dad raised me. My dad would always say, because I'm the smallest of seven brothers and I'm, you know, I got bullied and I was scared. I don't like fighting. I'm a very, if I see danger coming towards me, my first instinct would be, how can I get out of the way? How can I defuse this? Where my brothers and my dad were all about, oh, you're coming at me? Oh, I'm coming at you at full speed. And I was different. So I would walk scared and I would and I would show that I you know that I'm scared but then my dad said to me my son body language said that's why you are being bullied and that's why because you walk like you're like you're weak so just change the way you walk and mm. even then I can when I walk into a room I've had it so many times you know I'm like again I forget to know me I'm I don't like to fight but people will avoid me because they they would not they would recognize me or they would want to talk to me. But 
my 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 aura, my demeanor is saying, stay out of my way. Mm-hmm. So guys would not approach me, and they were like, "Dude, you look like like oh, it's about to go down." But once they get to know me, and that's all about body language. Yeah, and and that the, the confidence that the boxing gave me the confidence to have that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so the theme of this show is all about staying inspired, right? And yeah. you know this this idea for me of the inspired athlete. You know, I, that's the athlete I always wanted to be. And that was hard for me to be my whole career, right? And it's still like a challenge. But to me, that's the goal, to stay in that zone of the inspired athlete. I wanted to ask you, as a world champ, as a, you know, someone that inspires me, I've, I know your story now. Um, what does that mean? How do, you, how do you define an inspired athlete? No, I, can, I can only touch on mine. You know, before I started, Every time I do an, a, a podcast, an interview right now, I'm like, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to get emotional, but I can already feel it. Like what inspired me my whole career was two things. The first thing was my dad. Okay. My dad was my inspiration because, you know, he was my hero. My, I wanted to be like my dad. I, I was seeking approval from my dad because it was hard to get his approval. But he believed in me like none other. And the fear of letting him down, the fear of failing my dad is what is it was a big push behind me and that inspired me. Um, not to not to quit, not to give up, keep going, because I needed to get that approval of that man. And he believed in me. So I was like, I know I can do this. He's seeing something, right? So before I get to quit, you know, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. Annoyed? Are we good? Yeah, we're good. Sorry, sorry for that. No problem. Um, so, so that was a push. But the second thing, which is probably the way I live my life, vision. The vision. So I had visions as a kid. I had visions as a professional fighter. You know, I would see, I would wake, I would see my, for example, I would see myself in Madison Square Garden. And I would see myself, you know, fight there. I would see myself with, with the Freddie Roaches. I would see myself, you know, walking down the aisle, 20,000 people, so I have those visions when I go to bed. Now wow. I have, I'm not even I'm not even close to getting there, but but I wake up every morning and I put in the work in the gym and I put in the drive and I and I try my best because that that vision inspires me. And I and for me being a man of faith, um, and I'm open about it. Where do we get these visions? I ask myself, where do we get these visions that we have? Now I can quote again. I speak of myself. Habakkuk 2 verse 2 in the Bible is talking about the vision. Habakkuk 2 verse 2 in the Bible is telling you to take the vision, write it down and make it plain for everyone to see and read. So don't take your vision. And I, and I preach about this for the listeners. Go listen to me. Those visions you have in your head, write them down. Don't write them down in a book that you fall over and only you can see. Take that vision, write it down, put it up against the wall in your kitchen. When, when your friends come over, they read those visions. You know why? One, it holds you accountable. And two, it's scary when people all read those visions. But you've got to make it plain for everyone to read and see. Now, the vision might seem like a lie, but it's not. The vision will happen in due time, at the right time. So for me to believe in that, I had these visions. So waking up in the morning with these visions, I'm so inspired. And that, you know, that pushes me. That pushes me. But it pushes me. Now, I'm going to be honest. I have many times 
questioned those visions. And I find myself many times, like I want to say, in disbelief. Mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm a believer, but sometimes I'm human. I find myself in disbelief. For sure. But then again, I go back to two things. My dad, that would pick up the phone and say, my son, oh, you got this. Your time is coming. Like that. And I'm like, how does this man believe in me so much? So then I'm inspired again. So, yeah. so that's what inspired athlete. I mean, that's how I define it. Vision. I and, love it. I, I, I want to say the love and support from, from a parent. Yeah. No, I, th I think that's really well said. I love, I love that you talked about visions and I, I have a whole section on spirituality. So I want to touch more on that because that's, for me, that's a big part of the inspired. That's athlete. a big part of my story is just uh, that. Right. Right. Let's, let's, let's get there. But first let's go into becoming a champion because this is something that inspires me, right? I'm inspired yeah. that you were able to do that. And I want to give the listeners a chance to hear how you did that. How did you become a world champion? Man, I want to say overnight. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? Let me tell you my story. Let yes, me tell please. you what I'm I'm going to shock you right now because All I've right. recently, I've recently only found out something about myself. Okay. okay. So my, my biological mother stepped out of my life when I was three years old. Mm. So my, I was raised by my dad and later my stepmom raised me. I lost my dad. Now I have a big cut over my body. I have a big cut just underneath my stomach. I have a, a cut about this long. Mm. So my whole life, my dad told me it was a, it was a, he said, oh, you know, when it was a newborn baby, you had probable problem, like doing the number one, you know, go to the bathroom and do number one. Like you had a problem. So oh, as a newborn baby, you had an operation. That's the end of it. But the cut is so long and it starts right on my left side and goes all the way long. It's way too long for, for bladder cut, whatever. But um, my dad always, like my dad was also a big believer and, um, only now when I lost my dad, I figured I got I to gotta look up my biological mother and get in touch with my biological mother because I got questions. So the first question I asked her is that I got a big cut on my body. What, what was that? And she explained to me, she goes, when, you were, when I was six months pregnant with you, you were still in my womb, the doctors picked up that your, kid, your left kidney is not developing. So when you were born, from 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 birth you were right under the knife so wow. and i was like what do you mean and she goes you you're you don't have a left kidney i was like wait what she goes yeah you don't you don't have a left kidney they 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 put in an, a plastic apparatus that would grow as you grow but you don't have a left kidney and your right kidney the pipe was bent and blocked so they took that out and put a left plastic pipe in that will also grow as you go and the doctor said your son will never be able to do any contact sport wow how's that wow. but my dad being a man of faith refused to ever tell me that he knew it but he said my mother said my dad said no doctor will determine my son's outcome of his life like it's in god's hands so i lived a normal childhood like it was a gamble i know people said oh your dad took a gamble yes he did because what if something went wrong but Nothing ever went wrong. I won a world title. Now, how did I win a world title? Hmm. I didn't want to fight, man. I, I had no choice. I was six years old when I started boxing um, against, against my world. My, my, I had no, my dad was a fighter. 
And in South Africa, you know, it's, it's a way of living in South Africa, growing up, fighting in the streets, fighting in school. That was just, there was, it wasn't called bullying. It was, you know, it was normal way of life. And clearly my, you know, I wasn't good at that as a kid, but my dad put me in boxing and I had 97 amateur fights. I had now 194 of them. Even though I hate, I, I, I want to use the word, I don't know, let's not use the word hate because it's, it's too hard, but I disliked boxing. I didn't want to be a fighter, wow. but again, nope. And, and, and I was going to go to Olympics, but because I wanted to get my dad's approval, I knew how happy my dad become when I win and, and, and how proud he was. I won because I didn't want to leave my, let my dad down. Right. And then I always told myself, I said, when I'm 18 years old, I wanted to become an accountant. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, when I'm 18 and I'm a man, I will tell my dad I, I, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. But now I got to tell you how I got raised. This is the typical way how, how I was raised. Out of all my, I'm one of seven boys. And um, my dad would put me, my, my dad would say, get in the car and, and we'll drive to a local township. Now, a township is where the poor black community lived. And um, my dad would say, get out of the car. My dad would, always, my dad would look for a kid. Always, it was always a, a kid a little bit bigger than me. I would say, I would see my dad would take out money and give this kid money. And then the next moment, this kid would run across and start punching me. So my dad's paying this kid to beat me up because my dad needed me to fight back. And nine out of 10 times I got beat up and then I had a bloody nose and I was crying and my dad would take it back in the car. Um, if, if we wanted to go to the movies or we wanted pocket money, my dad would say, okay, call your brother Chris. Mm -hmm. My dad would say, okay, if Chris can run the, the one mile, under this time, I will pay for you all to go to the movies. But if you can't, if you cannot do that, well, sorry, blame your brother. So, so as I was raised, my dad raised me with that kind of pressure. And my dad would say, maybe as early as 10 years old, as I can remember, my dad would say, one day when you're old enough, there's something I want to tell you, but, but one day when you can understand this. And I would just keep on going. And, and then again, every now and then I'll say it. Now, growing up without a biological mother, I knew, I knew it was my stepmother. And my dad being so hard on me out of all the boys, like always saw on me, I started creating this idea in my head by myself that I know what he wants to tell me. And the idea in my head was, oh, I'm not his son. Like mm. I'm, I'm a doctor. That's, you know, I'm a kid. So I'm like, why always me? Why always me? And I was like, yeah, one day, uh, I guess I'm not his son. I'm adopted. I don't know being a kid and then 18 and I got my results after school and I was like okay I can go to college and I was ready to sit my dad down and say dad I'm done with this thing called boxing I want to go into accounting and my dad come, calls me into a room and he goes I you know I'm, I'm ready to tell you what I want to tell you and he goes your whole life I've been very hard on you and I know you picked it up and you know but I need you to know that when I look at you when I look in your eyes I see myself. He goes, I see a world champion. He goes, my dream was to become a world champion. He could not pursue that. He goes, but when I look at you, I cannot help but to see a world champion. And it's my job as a father to, to push you and get the best out of you. He goes, and my dad tells me, he goes, you are my hero. Wow. For my dad has been my hero, still is. To say that to me, I, I was like, whoa. 
and he left the room. He left the room and he was like, whatever you come up with, come up with it. And when he left the room, I knew I wanted to become a fighter. And that's when I was like, you know, dad, I, you know, now I want to do this because you believe like, now I get it. You're seeing something. And I chose to choose to pursue this dream. Now, wow. I can go deeper. I can go deep into the faith part of this because I had obviously obstacles, but I'm going to skip that. And we're going to go into being my dad said to me one day, he said, I was 18, I was 19. And he said, where did you see yourself in five years? And the only thing I could say was, I will be a world champion. By the uh -huh. time I'm 24, I was like, because I believed it. I said, by the time I'm 24, I'm going to be a world champion. Now, obviously we had ups and downs between, between 19 and 24, but the night I won, now, how did I become a world champion? My dad always told me, he said, there's hard work and there's talent. And we all know this. We all know how it goes, right? Hard work, hard work, talent, always. And my dad said to me, my son, and my dad was very honest. It was always black and white with my dad. And my dad would tell me two things. He said, you're not the best looking out of your brothers. <laughs> he goes, but, no, he said, you, I say, hey, you're not the best looking out of the brothers. But my son, a man with confidence, is a sexy man. So my dad would always say, he said, even though your brothers are bigger and stronger, maybe better looking, be the confident guy. That's attractive. That's one. Yeah. And two, he said, hard work beats talent. You got to be the guy that works the hardest. He goes, your talent is okay. He goes, this guy's has got way more talent. You he goes, but but don't let they don't let them outwork you. Right. And that was my whole motto as a, as from nineteen. I was the hardest working. They call me a gym rat because yeah, man, I I, I always felt like I'm running short. And again, I wasn't the most talented, but you would when we got in that square ring and we got a fight, you better know I'm 110. percent But that's where my nickname comes from: the Heat. Mm. My ring name, because whoever was in that ring with me in, in, in sparring and training and preparation for a fight, they dreaded it because I was like a machine. Like there was after after sparring, they would be done because there's just not keeping me off them. Right. Wow. And and then obviously the vision, the vision, the vision, the vision, the vision, the vision. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And I'm one fight after fight after fight after fight. I went undefeated in South Africa. To this day, I've never been beaten in my country. I had 19 fights in South Africa, undefeated. I've beaten every name they put in front of me and names that I was not supposed to beat, I've beaten because of hard work. I knew how to beat them. And the night I won the world title, you know, I never even thought about it. And my dad calls me aside and he goes, my son, how old are you? And I go, I was like, I'm 24. And he said, you know, you did it. And that is also the defining moment. Only then, that night, was the defining moment of me understanding how much power there is in our words. I didn't realize, wow, holy crap, like we got to be very specific with our words. And then I'll, I'm going to tell you another story about words and being specific, but I realized that our words carry power. And yeah, what man. we speak, we achieve. And we got to be careful. We, if we wake up every morning and I'm saying I'm tired, Believe me, your whole day you're gonna be tired. Right. You're gonna be if you speak it, you're gonna feel tired. If you say I'm, 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 oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in pain. The whole day you're gonna feel like you're in pain. There's so much power on words. And that night, 24, I discovered the power of words. Wow. And I mean, I mean, that's how. Yeah, just, just I was, just the hardest working dude. Hey everyone, thanks so much for being a fan of the show. I really appreciate your support. 
And if you'd like to further support the podcast, please grab a copy of my book, The Inspired Athlete. Uh, The Inspired Athlete is all about my personal growth journey, my athletic journey, my spiritual journey, all combined into one. And really the idea is that um, the energy of the inspired athlete is within us all, and it's up to us to evoke that. And uh, whether you consider yourself an athlete or a competitor or not, it's my belief that the energy of the inspired athlete is within us. Even if you just decide to take a deep breath and just move your body, that's the inspired athlete. So it would mean a lot if you could help support the book project as well as the podcast by grabbing a copy, uh, links to the Amazon uh, paperback version as well as the Audible um, audiobook version are listed below in the description. Thank you very much for your support. Stay inspired, y'all. Man, I so appreciate you sharing that. And a couple things come to mind when you were sharing. Uh, the first thing, like you're saying, is this this idea of speaking it out, right? It, it's manifesting and it keeps coming up in my show. Like all these interviews I have with, you know, with world champions or Olympic champions, you know, this idea of this was my goal. This was my vision. I spoke it out. I wrote it out. I put it out to the universe. And then I went ahead, went ahead and did the work to get there. But the idea of speaking it out, I feel like a lot of afraid, a lot of people are afraid of just that action of That's this is old. what I'm going to do, right? I'm, this is what I want to do. And this is what I'm going to do. And here it is. Right. So I commend you for that. And I think that's really relatable because that's another intention for me for this show. I want to make this all these stories, you know, specifically your story relatable because not everyone's going to be a world champion boxer. But I think we can all be inspired by your mindset and this idea of manifest with your word. I, oh. I just love that, you know. Yeah, my brother, like like I cannot. And and like I said, like I'm, I'm a human. Right. And especially now because i'm 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 moving towards retirement yeah right like, like i'm i mean i'm right there right now where i'm deciding do i want to go one more time or do i want to retire but i mm. do catch myself it's a scary place to be and i do have these visions i see these visions the next visions i see different visions now mm. and and i know the power of words and i know the power of visions but i cannot help I'm human to sometimes it's, uh, you know, we, we slip, we slip yeah, for sure. We slip and we're like, mm, I don't know. And, and I'm a praying man and I pray, but then I like talking to you right now again, I'm just I'm speaking it out loud. I'm like, why am I worried? dude? Like, why yeah. are you worried? You know, you know, that you, you have the blueprint, you know, it's going to be okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, worry, worry is very relatable to all of us. Right. We're that, I, that I, yeah, I it's, tell it's, people I say, you know, I'm 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 that guy. I throw myself under the bus. I I make myself the bad guy in the sense of I'm real. You know, I meet so many people out there and friends that that that's always like, nah, I'm not worried. Like, no, I'm not this. I'm not, I'm like, bro, if, be honest. Like, you you want to tell me you never worry? Well, you do worry. Sometimes you do worry. No, I don't worry. Like, and I'm like, you can. I've I've been that guy. I've I been that we, guy. Yeah, I think we all worry. And I was going to tell you, I have a section on this because I'm, I'm inspired by your vulnerability on Instagram. I, you know, you, you, you've, you've shared some, some dark, man, I'm going to, I can go deep into that as well. Yeah, yeah. I want to get there. But, but before we do, because I do want to get there, because I really do appreciate that vulnerability and authenticity. um, I wanted to go back just one step, 
and talk about that championship because you know we got to celebrate that man like can you bring can you bring me and the audience to that night to that fight okay let's 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 go back let's just go back because okay. it all happened let's go back one fight before okay. that oh sure sure one yeah. fight yeah the fight before that was for the world title number one spot okay so in order for me to get to the world title i had to beat this eliminator i had to fight this 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 the gold medal the commonwealth gold medalist his name was Bongani Mulasi. This was the biggest win in my... I'm getting goosebumps speaking to you. Yeah, let's go. Because because I fought this guy in the amateurs and he beat me. Okay. And he beat me like he beat me up. And um, and he turned pro and he was like making noise. I stayed one year longer as an, like, like an amateur because I wanted to go to the Olympics. But as, as you know, he was climbing the ranks and he was just making name. He was named... They, they saw him as the most feared welterweight in Africa, it was tall, southpaw, gold medalist, knocking out people like crazy. And now I turned pro and I'm climbing the ranks and we're both in the welterweight division. And I knew in the back of my head, I've only been afraid of one fighter in my whole career. And that's this guy. Um, because I saw him knock out people. He, he was just, he was like, a, I, I don't even want to compare him to that, but think of Muhammad Ali with the mouth. Like this guy could talk. Yeah. And he was knocking out people. And he's a gold medalist walking around with a gold medal. And we're both climbing the ranks. And then as a, as a build-up, you know, I would always call him out. I would always say, I'm coming for you. He was ahead of me. And I would always say, I'm coming for you. And and he would always, in interviews, as I was climbing the ranks, mention how, how like, I'm not on his level. He's going to knock me out, blah, blah, blah. Should we ever fight? And I never really got the recognition, but now, now I got the world title eliminated and I've got to fight this guy. We finally at this point where I've got to fight this guy. And I'm scared, man. I'm so scared. Hmm. Like I've, I've, in my head, I'm, I'm like, but I knew how to beat this guy. I studied him, so I knew how to beat him, but to know how to beat him and actually go there and execute the game plan, that's two different things, right? Sure, sure. You've got a game plan until you step in that ring. And like Tyson said, once you get hit in the mouth, the game plan goes out the door. Like then you got to, you in, it's in, it's on. Yeah. Um, and I'm in this fight and I'm fighting this guy and I knew how to beat him and, and I'm able to execute my game plan. Like this is like the Ali, like I took a lot of things. You're a kid, right? So you look up to fighters. So I looked up to Ali, like oh, when Ali fought, when Ali fought, uh, I, I can't remember who he fought, but the, he called him Cassius Clay and Ali said, my name is Muhammad Ali. He said, I'm going to hit you. I'm going to tell my name. So this guy in the build-up called me Christina. I said, you, you hit like a woman. He goes, you're Christina. So every interview we do, he refuses to say Chris. He calls me Christina. So I had that sense. I said, I'm going to hit you. I'm going to beat you up. And you're going to name, you're going to say my name. You know, you're going to say my name. And as this fight go, man, I have a two down to a T. I knew how to beat this guy. And once, once I started executing my game plan, he didn't have a game plan for that. So from round one, through round eight, I'm winning. I'm beating this guy. His face is swollen up. And we get to round eight, the end of round eight. And we go to the corners. And the bell ring, and we've got to get back up, and we've got to fight. And I see he keeps, he keeps sitting in his chair. And the ref says, let's go. And he keeps sitting. And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, this guy's about to quit on the stool. And the ref says, come on. And his coach, his coach, being a very knowledgeable coach, saw that his, his fighter was like about to quit. He kicked over the water bucket in the corner. So the whole ring on the corner was flooded with water. So now there's a timeout of two minutes and a clean ring. Now the guy got his confidence back. He got his breath back. So the fight went 12 rounds and I beat him. Wow. That was the biggest one for me in my career. 
beating that guy because I feared him. Wow. And I beat him. And then when I beat him, the African community, the South Africans, the black community made me their, they made me their inspiration. Mm. So that was a big one for me. So now we go to the world title fight. I'm fighting a guy called Kaiser Mabuza, former world champion. Kaiser Mabuza just came to America and he knocked out the very own Kendall Holt. Now, Kendall Holt was a three-time world champion, three-time world champion. And Kaiser Mabuza just knocked him out in America on home swell. And I got to fight Kaiser Mabuza. Now, I've watched, I've, I went to study and watch a fight of Kaiser Mabuza and I picked the wrong fight to watch. I picked a fight where Kaiser hit this guy so hard. The guy was stiff in the ring and they had to carry him out of the stretcher. Wow. So I've watched that. And now, my whole training camp, that vision is in my head. Like I'm like, and I'm trying to shake it because now I don't watch fights. After that, I've never watched fights again, but I, I keep shaking it. So I know his name, The Hammer. They call him The Hammer. I'm like, okay, clearly knocks people out. Um, get to the world title fight. Again, my confidence is through the roof. I just beat the guy I feared the most, gold medalist. So my confidence is through the roof. And then I'm in this world title fight and um, he hit me. He, I think it was round one or round two and he hit me and, and I felt it. But when he hit me, he didn't hurt me though. Like mm. he didn't shake me because I was conditioned. And when once he hit me and, 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 I, and I wasn't shaken, I, was, I realized I was like, oh wait. I can take this guy's power like this. Like I can take it. It's not that bad, you know. We and and we and we we had an amazing fight. And I got to round eleven, and I knew I was as a fighter. You know when you win. <laughs> yeah, you. you feel and it. I knew. I knew I won the fight. I knew. I knew that. I, I was like, there's one round left. One round left, and I'm the champion of the world. And my coach told me, he said, I'll never forget it. In the corner, he goes. If you, you better, there's one round left. It's going to come out this. Keep your hands up, Chris. And I'm like, I got this. Now, again, I gave my life to the Lord when I was 19 and I made him a promise. So I'm, I'm, I'm at the end of round 11. I'm in the, I'm preaching to the people through the camera in the corner between that one minute break. I'm preaching to the people in the corner. Get the Lord in your life. Like, like God has got, and, and my coach is like, you got to focus. You got one round left. And I'm like, I got this. I'm preaching. And he goes, keep your hands up. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, this guy ain't going to hit me. And I get out and run 11 and he hits me with a hook. Man, he hits, my hands were down and he hits me flush. And I shook my head. Again, didn't hurt me, but I shook my head and I was like, oh, I better keep my hands up. Like, this boy's <laughs> coming up to beat me up. Sheesh. And midway through that round 12, I started celebrating. Like, I, I started running, I'm celebrating. And I went, okay, so I'm, I'm declared the world champion. I, I'll never forget it. That all the arena was about 4,000 people in, in, a, in, a, in a casino. Um, and I'm declared the world champion. And they left me up. And it, it just felt unreal. And it's fireworks. And it's unbelievable. And um, I thought I'd, I'd, I've, I've only seen my dad cry once in my life. And that's when he lost his dad. But until then, I've never seen my dad cry. Until that point, I've never seen my dad cry. And I knew if I win the world title, I'm going to see my dad cry. I knew it. I just, I was like, yeah. he's going to cry for me. And I'm walking towards my dad to hug him. And, and he starts, he, he, he was so mad at me for celebrating. Oh. And he was like, you, he goes, you get in that ring, you can die. He goes, you never disrespect a man like that. He goes, it is wrong. Like, you, you respect that man. And I'm like thinking to myself, I just want the world title there. But that's who my dad was. He was like yeah. getting my priorities straight. He goes, you respect that man. And I said, I'm sorry, dad. And then he hugged me. He did not cry, though. He did not cry. 
And um, wow, man, I, yeah, I mean, and I was 24. My dad said, How old are you? I said, I'm 24. He said, You, you spoke this, you did it, you, you spoke it. That's man, like for someone who's a, a boxing fan, right? Like, I'm a fan, I'm not, I'm not a boxer, but I can only imagine the feeling. Can you describe the feeling of just being in the arena, you know, and yes, winning for this. sure, but yeah, I say like, this, I yeah. say. I say to my people, I say, I wish, I, I, I wish on every person to experience what, what a fighter experience. Now, boxing is not a team. It's, it's a team sport because you have a team. But once you're in that ring, it's a you sport. Like, it's, it's you. You are the one taking those punches. You're fighting. Yeah. And, um, but when you walk out that aisle towards the ring, they mention you and your music is playing. The rush you get is worth the price to pay. Man, right. for for me, a moment in life, you walk down that ring and all those people look at you and it's your song and it's your moment. You're the main event. I, you feel immortal. I feel like I can take on anyone, anything. Nothing is too big. I feel so powerful. Like, like nothing is more important than in that moment everything disappears and you finally in a moment where you go wow like this is it like my hard work this i I cannot explain the feeling other than i feel untouchable you feel you feel on top of the world like the rush is worth the price to pay and i wish upon every person needs to experience whatever that feels like yeah um I, I'm really inspired. First of all, congratulations. I mean, it's it's just, you know, you have this body of work and it leads up to that one moment and you experience it. And like, that's just a beautiful moment. And that's why I want to celebrate you. Um, and I want to ask you the next thing, which is you have this moment of victory. And I've heard recently that, you know, you share on your, your social media that this kindness, kindness is such a big part of who you are. And this, yeah. this major like value point for you. I, I want to know, like, you know, from a, such a brutal sport where it's like, I'm going to kill you kind of mentality to like this, this mentality of like, no, my main value point in life is kindness and love. Yeah. Like, where did that come from? How did that come to again, be? again, 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 my father, with the principal, my dad, my dad would say, you know, first of all, my dad would say, my dad knew I was going to become a world champion because he believed in me. He said, you're going to one day, you're going to be up top of that. And when you get there, you better, you better not change. He said, you better be, you know, yeah. don't, you're not better than no one. You have, you have achieved God-given talent and you've been blessed with hard work, but that doesn't make you better than anyone other than as a human being. You're all, we're all the same. So, so be kind with us. You better not change. And again, being a daddy, please, and wanted to get his approval, I listened to him. And, um, but then my dad would say this, he, say, he would tell me as a kid, he would say, you never know who you're being kind to. You mm -hmm. don't know who you're being kind to. He goes, be kind to everyone you meet along your path. Because you never know when you're being kind to the right person at the right time. If you're being kind to the right person at the right time, I can change your life and open doors for you. You never know. If you're being a, you know, a bad guy, that guy might want to help you, but he, he has no it because you think you're better than whoever. So that comes from my dad. That 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 concept comes from my dad, where you know, just be kind to him because you never know when you're being kind to the right person. And I have testimonies again where I've been kind to the right person. I have no idea who these people, people are. Yeah. But I'm just being a cool dude. I'm just being kind and nice. And then 
I'm like, oh crap, like this is who they are. And then, then I'll be invited to stuff and and it's because of that kindness. Now you become a world champion, all of a sudden you're a star back home and, and people love you and people started to recognize you. I am gonna be the I'm gonna be very honest and say my my kindness has never changed. But when I won the world title at 24, I did a part of me again, you know, I'm human. I did choose who I answer to or who I reply to or who I go see because I felt like my value has gone up and now I'm, you know, I belong in a better circle. And I made that mistake. I made that mistake because I lost everything. And we need oh. to realize, oh man, like, I've been a little bit of a bad guy, like a bit of a, like a, you know, to, to these people. When you lose everything, you're humbled and you're like, oh, wow. Like, I'm right back to the beginning. Okay, so this is, this is a good spot to talk to you about losing, right? So we, we mm -hmm. talked about winning. You know, you, you become a world champion. You become celebrated. Um, talk about losing. Talk about becoming uninspired. Because for me, you know, this okay. idea of the inspired athlete and this whole theme yeah. of the show kind of stemmed from this place of being alone and being yeah. in a dark place and being feeling like I'm a failure, having this self-doubt, mm. you know, and you even talk about depression. If you want to go there. Man, the I'm going to go in there, man. I'm going to yeah, be please real. Do. Yes, so, please do. So I lost without even getting in the ring. So once I did, I won the world title, I defended it three times. I mean, I just, I, my visions were now my divisions were different. My visions were Madison Square Garden, Freddie Rhodes, Manny Pacquiao. My visions yeah. were headline Las Vegas. That was not my visions. And, and I was like, I want to fight. I want to compare myself against the best fighters in the world. I don't want to be, if you're in South Africa, I'll be a protected fighter. I'll solve that. They'll bring these guys in to fight you as a world champion. But in your home soil, the judges is kind of in your favor. Like, and I, and I wanted to get out of that because, because I, my dreams were bigger. And then, um, I remember the promoter in South Africa wanted to re-sign me and tie me down. And I said, I'm not going to re-sign. And he goes, well, I said, I'm going to go to America. And now, again, the vision that inspired LA, don't laugh and don't judge. But at the time, the vision that inspired me coming to LA was Baywatch. Okay, Pamela Anderson, the rollerblades, the palm trees, the beach. I was like, I want to live there one day. And I believed it. But now boxing... You know, I, I knew the capital of Fred Roach is out here. This is where Pacquiao trains. So like, I got to go to LA. And then obviously I, I made it here. But when I didn't re-sign with that promoter, he told me, he said, oh, you can kiss your world title goodbye. I said, what do you mean? He goes, if you don't re-sign, well, you'll lose your world title. I was like, whatever. Again, I came to America. And once I landed, yeah, I just came with a tourist visa. I didn't even have a works visa. And again, pride and ego will destroy everyone. But I had too much pride and ego to go back home because everyone already told me I will come back. And they say, he won't make it. He'll be back before you know it. Hmm. So now being in America and, oh, damn, I need a works visa. I need a works permit. I need a bunch of things for me to be actually to be fighting in America. I got to go home because I don't have these things. But I was like, I'm not going to go home because they're waiting for me to come home. And I'm not going right. to go home. Right. I've got to make this work. I have these visions. But as I, I barely landed and I got an email from the boxing world, Bob, from boxing board that said, hey, you have three months to defend your world title. Otherwise, we'll strip you. 
And I was like, oh, how am I going to do that? There's no way, unless I go home and find someone, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. And before I knew it, I got stripped. So I lost my world title without even fighting, right? So there I go. Can you see me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. So, so there I go, and, and I'm without a world title. And now, now, now I'm starting to question everything. Did I make the right move? Like, this guy said it. It's happening. So I lost my world title. So this is where losing started for me. Then. And it was one thing after another, one thing after another, setback after setback. Um, I mean, it, it got so bad because now I'm in LA. I lost my world title. I had some money in South Africa. Obviously, money-wise in South Africa as a world champion, just was I was I was wealthy. But come to America, if you look at the dollar now, it's twenty to one. It, I think it was like thirteen to one or twelve to one when I came here. So all of a sudden, my money in South Africa to come here means nothing. I'm like I'm blowing through money. And I'm drawing money from a South African account. But now, now I've overstayed my tourist visa. Mm. So now I know if I go home, America's not going to let me back in because I've, I've, I've broken the rules. So now my bank account gets frozen in South Africa. So I can't draw money because now they see all these transactions. And they say, oh, you've got to come back home to, to, you know, to be in person. I say, I can't come home. So now I went from being a world champion to basically being broke because I don't have access to money. Wow. I have too much pride and ego to ask people for help. So I go from this world champion, broke, all of a sudden I go to this guy, like I, I sleep with my friends, like in a, in a small room. I I haven't eaten for two days, yet I have my dad phoning me every single day and believing in me and saying, my son, how are you doing? I don't. I choose to pretend to be okay. I choose to fake it. Dad, I'm good. I'm I'm, I'm there, man. It got so much. I mean, I've, I've, I've like I said again, depression now. Like I'm, 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 I'm in my head. I'm starting to get these suicidal thoughts. Okay, all of a sudden, I would catch myself every now and then because I'm faking it. I'm pretending to be this guy everyone still remembers, but I'm not. I'm like, if you had to see me, do you think I'm like, ooh, I'm a nobody? Like I'm, I'm broke. I, whatever. I'm starting to get these suicidal thoughts. And then I shake my eyes. I'm like, why am I sitting in silence and thinking about it? What's the easiest way to kill myself? Like, I would, I would shake my head and be like, come on, man. How did you end up? You're like, come on, huh, get it out of your head. And then I would go to the gym, the happiest place for me, because it's all I knew. It was show up, show up, show up, show up at the gym, show up at the gym, work, work, work. That's all I knew. And I always feel a little better once I'm done working out. And then I will catch myself again thinking about, hmm, if I took, what, what pulse can I take that would kill me? Or what is there an injection I could take? I would just catch myself with these thoughts. But yet I'm still number 10, I'm still top 10 in the world. Even though I'm no longer in the world, my ranks are still, I'm still told, like, I'm a legitimate fighter. I'm still top 10, but I'm, I'm getting these thoughts. And then I had a phone call with my dad at the middle of the night and my stomach, I hang up the phone and my stomach was growling. And I was like, oh, I can't sleep. I'm hungry, so let's put my shoes on. I'm going to go for a run. But as I'm tying my shoes, I'm like, wait. If I jump in front of a bus at a high speed and that bus hits me, it's over. Like, I'm done. Surely I'll be dead. Like, and I'm like, okay. And as I'm tying my shoes, I'm like, yeah. Like, that's what I want to do. Huge thank you to new sponsor of the show, Chico Bag. 
Chico Bag is your eco-friendly travel pack and shopping companion. I actually have my travel pack right here. I use it almost every day and I love it. Love it for little day trips or um, going to the grocery store. It replaces hundreds of single-use plastic bags and fits in your pocket or purse. And with its stylish and durable design, you can take it anywhere. Chico Bag is a certified B Corp and donates 1% of sales to environmental causes. So join the Chico Bag revolution to reduce plastic waste and create a sustainable future. Visit ChicoBag.com and get 20% off your order as a Within the Game podcast listener using promo code Within the Game. Back to the show. Like I'm tired. I'm tired of pretending to be this. I'm tired of pretending to be okay. I'm hungry. I'm like, look at me. I feel like I feel like a failure because my dad. Again, my dad was my hero. May rest in peace. I love my dad. He's the best. But it wasn't always right. My dad wasn't always right. And my dad was, if you didn't win, if you didn't come first, my dad would say you're a failure. If you didn't win, you're a failure. To my dad, it was winning, winning, winning. And it made me feel that way. It was always about winning. So, so in my head, I had the concept of, oh, wow, I'm failing right now. I'm failing. I'm a failure. I'm failing. So I'm putting on my shoes. I'm going for this run with the idea of finding a bus. Yeah, I was like, now I'm running to kill myself. I want to jump in front of a bus. And I find, I find the bus. I find it. And as of the bus is coming up and running down, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. I'm more like, this is what I want to do. And it happened so quick. Before I knew it, I was, I was in the middle of the road. And I looked back and the bus went past me. And, you know, I didn't jump. But it hit me of what I was thinking. Right. I wanted to kill myself. And, and then, you know, I blame God for it and I fell on my knees in tears and I was in an argument with God and and I found myself again. Now fast forward. Now I don't want to even go like I can go into the vision of Madison Square Garden and how that happened because I live with this thing where I tell people stay yes. If anything say yes. Say yes. Say yes. Someone approach you with an opportunity, say yes. You don't know how to do it, go find out how to do it. But at first say yes. Don't just dismiss the opportunity by saying, oh, I don't know how to do it. Say yes, and then go try and figure out how to do it. And if you can't do it at all, then tell them, but go and try and figure out. So I always say yes. And I got this big fight, undefeated fighter. Anyway, I said yes to the fight, the fighter, because I was desperate for money and I wanted to fight. So I said yes to fight this undefeated fighter that was promoted by Jay-Z, Rock Nation. And uh, so they wanted to use me for my name because I was top 10, but I knew they wanted, the guy was unbeaten. So they wanted to, that would have screwed me over, you know. But I was so determined to fight and so hungry to fight that I didn't care who I was fighting. I just needed money and I wanted to fight. So I said yes, and they sent me the contract. And the contract said the venue, man, a square garden. Wow. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, my childhood vision, my dreams, Madison Square Garden. Like, if I said no because I'm afraid, I would have never known, or I never would have been able to do that. So say yes, say yes, say yes, say yes. You never know. So that's another story. But let's come to the night I lost. Errol Spence Jr., which we all know. Errol Spence Jr. is holding the three belts in the boxing. He's the undefeated welterweight champion of the world. Number one, now fighting Terence Crawford for all the belts. Um, that's Errol Spence. That's the guy I lost to my first fight. Now, going to that fight, you hear those people say, as an athlete, you know this. You hear this all the time. People say 90% mental, right. 10% physical. 90% mental, 
10% physical. I always argued that. I always yeah. argued that because I only know hard work. So I would be like, nah. I said, like, what do you mean? I said, if I'm in the best shape of my life and I'm coming into the ring physically as, as top as I can be, there's no way you can beat me. That was my attitude. I was like, there's no way you can beat me. So the fight with Errol Spence, that whole training camp was a mess. I was now, now I was being trained by Freddie Roach. But that, that's been a dream. And now mm -hmm. I'm being trained by Freddie Roach. That's another story of how I, how I got there. But anyway, I, so Freddie is my coach. I'm training for this big fight. I didn't know who Errol Spence was. I didn't go study him. I didn't go watch his fights. I just, I, I knew I was going to beat whoever they put in front of me because I, I'm, I'm a believer in myself. Yeah, yeah. So the training camp already was a little rocky because I was now in a court case with my management team at the time, right? So they took me to arbitration. So now I'm, now I'm being in a court case. I'm being sued. I'm, well, I'm, I'm no, no, sorry. I was, I was on bad terms with my management team. They have not, they've stopped calling me they stopped refusing to take my messages so i got the aerospace fight negotiated myself right? oh wow because, because 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 my management team is giving me no answers they've disappeared on me because they can't make things happen i'm bugging them every day when am i fighting so they got tired of me but they had me tied down to a contract so they know they're not going to lose me so that i haven't spoken to them in months so i've now got so desperate i've got this aerospace fight i said yes to this undisputed fighter Freddie is my coach. Anyway, I get to the venue. The venue is in Canada. I go alone. Freddie Roach tells me, go. I will come tomorrow. I still have business here. You fly. I'll meet you tomorrow. So now, the whole training camp, I've been dealing with management problems. My mom and dad was going through a shaky time. They were getting divorced. I haven't seen my family almost in two years. So I have this in my mind. I'm doing the management side. My Freddie would be at the gym one day, not at the gym one day. One day at the gym, one day not. So it's a shaky ground. Now, again, being a man of faith, everything inside of my head is telling me to pull out of this fight. Like, pull out of this fight, Chris. It's not the right time for this fight. God is talking to me. Now, I can go into this and say, we know what to do. God speaks to us through signs, emotions, and people. So when you feel, so like what I felt that, that time, the whole time I'm building up for this fight, I'm getting this feeling, I'm getting this feeling that it's not good. It's not good. Pull out, pull out, pull out. But again, pride and ego is I want to fight. So I'm not listening to these voices. So I get to Canada only to get the phone call from Freddie to say he's not going to make it. Mm. So now I'm in a foreign country by myself without a management team my head is consumed with all these, these things. When the Freddy gave me that call, I gave up. That's the moment I gave up. I was like, I'm done. I was like, my coach is not here. I'm, I'm, all of this pressure, like, oh, I gave up mentally. I gave up. I was like, oh, oh, tonight I'm going to lose. And that's also the first time as a pro athlete, as a pro fighter, that I thought I was going to lose. I was wow. like, all of a sudden, I'm getting these ideas in my head that I'm going to lose. Anyway. I'm in this fight with Errol. As I'm walking towards the ring, it hits me. You're in a fight. Now, listen to this. All I needed to do was beat Errol Spence. And I was going to get a shot possibly against Manny Pacquiao. We all know who Manny Pacquiao is. So I was one fight away from changing my life, like on another level in America. So I'm in this fight with Errol. 
Now I'm going to run you through this fight because this is in my documentary. Also, the best moment, like such a teachable moment right here. Okay. I'm in this fight with Errol Spence. I'm in the ring. And I'm, before I got, before the bell rang, I, I knew I was going to lose. I knew I was going to lose. But I was, I, I, I asked myself, how are you going to lose, Chris? Are you going to lose like a man out on your shield and put up a fight? Or will you get knocked out? Now, obviously, you don't want to get knocked out. I was like, I don't want to get knocked out. I'm going to fight like a warrior. If anything, I want to fight. I was like, I'm not going to get knocked out. So I'm in this fight. In round one, I'm, I'm already in round one. Errol Spence would, would tag me with that jab. Every time I would throw a punch, he would get out of the way and hit me. I go back to the corner. After round one, I went back to the corner. Like, mm, wow, okay. It's a different guy. Like, I got to try, to, to try something different. And then I would go out there in round two. And again, Errol would hit me and hit my body. And every time he would hit my body, I would shake my eye. I would go, I don't know if you ever go watch that fight. You'll, that's the last time you'll see me be like that, be cocky like that. Everything my dad was against, I became because I had no answer to this guy. So I thought, okay, let's try and get in his head. So when he hits me and he flushed, I'm just going to be like, dude, <laughs> I'm not hurt. So I would constantly shake my hand and be like, uh-uh. I would talk to him. I'm like, nope. So you can't hurt me. So I would talk to him and it would hit my body. And I'm like, nope. And I'll go back in round three. And I realized I had no answer for this guy. I knew I was going to fight, but I was like, I was in round three. There was 10 rounds of 10 rounds. I was like, man, this is going to be a long night. <laughs> and I get to round four. And the only round I won was round five. That was the only round I won. Because I caught him with the hook and all of a sudden he went backwards and I pursued. But that was the only round I won on the scorecards. But then I got to round six and I realized what he did. Like he was hitting my body so much and I keep shaking my head and he was draining my body, took my energy. And when I got to round six, I, I remember I tried to get out of the way and my legs froze up. And I realized, ah, that's why the body attack, he kept going to my body because he took my legs away. Uh. Okay, so in round seven, this guy was destroying me. And in round seven, the accumulating of punches, tiring, I went down. So he was beating, and all of a sudden, I went down on the canvas, and I'm there for the first time. I've never been on a canvas, not in training, not in sparring. I've, I haven't been there before. And I'm on the canvas, I'm on my knees. And you only get eight seconds to stand up. You know, I know you've never thought of this. People say, oh, 10 seconds and you're out. You don't get 10 seconds. You only get eight. So they cut you down by two. Because if you're not on your feet by eight, the ref automatically goes, it's over. Wow. So you only get eight seconds, not 10. So I'm on this canvas. I'm on my knees. And I still have photos of it where I'm like just with my hand on my arms like this on the canvas on my knees. And all of a sudden, in that eight seconds, felt like five minutes. Okay, I'm on this camera and I'm starting to talk to myself. I'm having a back and forth with myself. I'm like, oh man, I'm like on the, I'm, I'm, I'm on the canvas. I can just stay down. It can be over. I don't need to get up. I don't need to just keep getting punched. Stay down, Chris. And you can call it a night, get paid, go home, go see your family. Or stand up and fight on. But I want you to know that if you stay down, this is something you're going to have to live with for the rest of your life because you're being a coward, because you're not that hurt. Like you can't stand up. If you want to, you can still continue. 
So if you choose to stay down, you're going to have to live with No one else will know that I could stand up because by the looks of it, I'm getting beat up. Like everyone will understand, but you will know you could have kept going. Hmm. So if you chase, if you stay down, that's the, that's the consequences or stand up and try and then keep getting beat up. And I was having this back and forth all in eight seconds. And before I knew it, I was on my feet and I was like, let's go. And my hands were shaking off. And I was like, let's go. And I went on to another round, round eight, by the end of it. But that's the moment I found out. I got introduced to myself. That's the finding moment I realized who I was. It's like, I am Chris Renier and I am a fighter. I'm not a quitter. No matter what, I know when, the, when things get hot and in the heat of the moment, when, when things go south, I'm the guy is going to keep trying that's the moment and every time i see spence i tell him i said you you've, you've given me something dude like mm -hmm. i lost you but you've given me i know who i am wow. i am not Buddha. and that was it now losing i was so used to winning people loving me raising my hand always phoning me my phone doesn't stop that moment there it was the loneliest place to be because my phone was dead mm. All of a sudden, that you know, the energy changes, and I realize I'm alone. And I came back to LA, and I walked down the street. Now I'm a proud man. I don't wear sunglasses to hide my blue eyes because I'm a fighter. <laughs> like, so I had busted face. My face was busted. It was the very next, like I think it was the Monday. And I saw one of my friends down the street, and I saw him see me, and I saw raise my hand to be like, hey. and he turned around quickly, like he just turned around and walked, walked on, almost like maybe he just. I never gave him the chance to speak to me about it because, again, I learned something that day. But maybe he was—he didn't know how to approach me. Maybe he didn't know how to deal with talking to me because I got beat up. But I felt like he felt embarrassed. I was like, oh, wait. Now that I'm losing and I look bad, like now where's my friends? I'm like alone. And that's also the moment I realized, why am I doing this? I'm such a people's pleaser. Like, I was fighting for the people. I was like, no, I got to do this. You, this is, it's a lonely sport. And I got to do this for me. No matter, don't try and please other people. Do it for you. So that friend, which is no longer a friend, I don't even know where he is, but he taught me something. He gave me that. Like this is, I got to do this for me. Yeah, yeah. And that's what, that's what losing to me did. Wow, man. Um, thank you so much for sharing that maybe this is a great time to talk to you about spirituality because when we feel like we're alone, we're not really alone. We no, feel like we're alone, we feel but, like we're, but we're never alone. Never alone. Right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe expand on that a little bit. How oh, man. Yeah, no, we never alone, man. Um, again, you know, being a man of faith. And I grew up in a household going to church, but I never lived that way. I had to find my faith for myself only to understand it and i did so being that guy um i believe in the power of prayer like i've prayed about things i can go into testimonies about me praying for things and just being so positive that it's going to happen and then it happens man i can i can give you goosebumps dude it's crazy but um power and prayer like we're never alone and and then now spiritually like if you're praying man you know that you're not alone. You can turn to God and God wants us, tells us in the Bible. But then again, we're never alone. We feel alone as men, especially as men. We feel we're always, you know, we're the alpha male. 
there's so much pressure on us that that we gotta we gotta do it we gotta win we gotta succeed so so one man to another i don't want to come across weak in front of you because i don't want you to look upon me as a failure or like i like so we put that pressure on ourselves to pretend that oh we got it and we put that yeah that that pressure of like oh we gotta fill this out but in reality the truth is if we know this life is not easy life is hard you are going through a difficult time i'm going through a difficult time as men now, it might seem like I'm not, and it might seem like you're not, but we are fighting something. Right. We are. Yeah. When two men come together, usually 99% of the time when one buddy gets to another buddy and he tells him his problems, we try to help. Yeah, for sure. The friend does because he loves you and he cares and he knows what it feels like. But because we don't want to be judged, we live in a society that judges you, we, we choose to fight those things by ourselves. Right. So, so I don't open up about it. Now I'm the, I'm the opposite guy. Like I, I tell him my stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. You know, I almost took my life trying to pretend I'm okay. So I'm like, you know what? I know that the guy across the streets from me or the guy walking or sitting on the bus next to me is fighting some battle as well. I know that we are not alone and we need to speak out. And 99% of the time, one, your friend is fighting something in student. Two, he understands what you're talking about and he's probably going to try and help you. He's probably going to yeah. try and help you, put you in contact. So, um, yeah, man, I just had to go through all these 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 tough times for me to to talk about to, to you know to again to go back to my faith and and praying and and friend knowing I'm not alone. I'm not alone. My yeah. friends are there. My friends are there. My friends are there. Yeah, and and the idea of alignment. What does that mean, like Chris? You know, the idea for me, just briefly, the idea for of alignment for me is like being aligned with your true self right? You can call it the higher power or God, mm -hmm. but being aligned, because when you're out of alignment, that's when you mentioned ego and pride yeah. can take over. But when you're really in alignment, mm -hmm. for me, it just feels, it, you mentioned emotion too. It feels, there's a feeling of like that. This is, this is who I am. Yes. Right? yes. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. It's, and you also, this before I'm you supposed to be, this who yeah. I'm supposed to be. you see signs like you feel it, man. You feel good. You feel good. Right. You, 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 yeah, man, there's, there's no other feeling like that. Um, and, 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 and you mentioned earlier intuition, you know, there, when, when I'm in alignment, I feel like my intuition is so strong and so clear. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, True. like, how do you, how do you strengthen? What would you say to someone who's li listening and they're like, what are you talking about your intuition? Like, how, how do you, how would you say you can strengthen your intuition? Through maybe so through prayer you know, or you know, you that's know. that's a good question. Again, for me, it's always reflecting on 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 going back to my scriptures and, and yeah, and to, that's that's me that 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 I just um I've got, I've got a book in my car actually right now. If I've done reading it, but it's still in my book. It's this conversation with God, mm -hmm. conversation with God, and he talks about this way 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 feelings and emotions speaking to us, and when we 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 feel we feel. When we, we, we walk into a room and I'm in your uncomfortable, like, mm, I, I shouldn't probably not be there. Like, that, that's a sign. That's a sign. But trusting in those signs. If you actually try the, 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 the effort and, and trusting those signs, right? And, um, and, and, and just act on those feelings and emotions. You, you'll get your alignment. Like, you, you'll, you'll, you'll get there. Um, can, I, can I share testimony with you, please? please? 
it's, it's a powerful dude this please this go ahead changed my life it's just powerful again me being open about my faith i'm getting this fight at madison square garden and um again this to me was the defining moment of me understanding the voices in my head mm-hmm. how how god call it god or high power whatever people call it but me how god how jesus how how he speaks to me so i'm getting this fight at madison square garden and now to go, I got to go to a training camp. And a tra- training camp is expensive. So I'm looking for sponsors. I'm trying to get some money. Um, so I'm on my social media and I'm asking for sponsors. And no one reaches out. No one reaches out. And I'm in praying. You know, every day I go to bed. I pray. I'm like, God, just, just, just. I, I trust in you. Put the right people on my path. I believe in you. Like I know you're gonna come through for me. Um, I trust you. Help me. And then I'll put on my social media again. And I, will, I go to the gym and a friend of mine comes up to me. He goes, hey, man, good, good luck with that big fight you got. I'm like, proud of you. He goes, can I give you, he goes, can I give you advice? I go, yeah. He goes, you're in Hollywood. He goes, you're in LA. You're in Hollywood. You're in a, in a weird place. Like, you are very open about your faith. So you speak about Jesus. People are scared of guys like you. He goes, <laughs> so, he goes, so, so, so my advice to you is taper down on that. If you want to say, say God, but but a little less of that, because there might be people that want to reach out to you, but because they, I mean, people don't, it's a weird place to be, so don't. So again, this is typically who I am. Now, being the guy that lost it all, almost took his own life, and then surrendering, surrendering back to God, I was like, I told him, I said, buddy, I said, I said I, if you know what I went through, I ain't doing that again. Like, I did put God second, I did put my faith second, and I ended up in a bad place. And the only thing that pulled through for me is my faith. So you know what? I cannot do that. Then I got in my car. And and just to show him, because I knew he's going to look at my social media again, just to show him that you didn't get to me. I went on my social media and I proclaimed my faith again because I was that's who I am. Mm-hmm. I needed to show him you didn't get to me. So I walk in a third street promenade in Santa Monica. I'm walking. It was this, it was a weekend. And as I'm walking, I'm in my head, I'm praying, I'm praying. I'm like, God, just put the right people on my path, put the right people on my path. And I stop. Now, I want the listeners just to just to take this in. Do with this whatever you want to do with this, but just listen to me. So on a Thursday promenade, there's a, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in L.A. Like some people sing, dance, comedians, and he's a comedian. And he's got a big crowd of people around him. And he's making jokes. And, and I'm stopping for a second to just enjoy this. And this guy's funny. And I'm laughing. And out of nowhere, this homeless guy walks through the crowd. A homeless guy, barefoot, torn clothes, dirty clothes, pulling his little suitcase thingy, walks through the crowd right in front of this comedian. And a comedian starts making jokes about this homeless man. Everyone is laughing. I was laughing. And the homeless man stops and he turns around and he goes, stands right in front of this guy. And he puts his hand in his pocket and throws a cord into this guy's bucket. Man, I'm getting chills. And we went quiet because, like, I, I stood there probably for 10 minutes. No one went forward to put money in this guy's bucket. That's a homeless guy puts in a quarter. And I get this voice in my head that goes, Chris, go to this homeless guy and put, give him whatever's in your pocket. And I just, I remember it so clearly. I remember just, I just looked up like, and I was like, God, are you serious? Like, serious, dude? Like, I'm praying for breakthrough. I'm praying for money. I need money. Now you're telling me to go give this guy money. I'm like, come on, dude. 
Anyway, I run after this homeless man. He's now left. And I'm, and I'm walking behind him. I'm stopping him. I put my hand in my pocket. And all I had was one dollar. I had a dollar cash on me. And I give him the dollar. And he's like, thank you. Thank you. God bless. God bless. I said, no. I said, God bless you. Yeah. She God bless you. And as I turn around, I bump into one of my friends. And this guy, I love. he bowls, he's a, he's a constructor. Mm -hmm. He's from the UK, came to America, made it big. He bowls, he works on Oprah Winfrey's house. He works on, uh, at the time, he worked on Brad Pitt's house. Like, this guy's got money. Mm -hmm. And he goes, bam, I bump into him. And he goes, Chris. He goes, wow. Because I was going to reach out to you. Because you had a big fight coming up, man. Because I got so busy. He goes, do you have time right now? Let's go eat something. I go, yeah, let's go. And we go sit and eat. And he goes, hey, man, finding a Madison Square Garden, man. He goes, I'm so proud of you. You work so hard. He goes, you inspire a lot of people. He goes, but most of all, I want to thank you for how open you are about your faith. Now, I just had a friend tell me to stop talking about my faith. And here's a friend telling me, you know, thank you for just being an open book. And he openly takes out his checkbook and he writes me a check. And he folds the check over and he slides it over to me. He goes, I wanted to reach out. He goes, I hope this helps. And I put the check in my pocket and we eat and we leave. And obviously you can imagine all I wanted to do was see how much he wrote that check. Yeah, for. Yeah. And I'm not going to mention this, but it was, it was a substantial amount of money that he wrote me a check for. And I gave up that dollar. Now, my, my story, the point I'm trying to make is the voice in my head said, go. I knew what I had to do. We get the, we know what we got to do. Most times we get the feeling, we hear the voices. We like, I should, I should do this or that. And we ignore them because we, we, we scared or whatever. If I didn't listen to that voice, if I didn't go to that homeless guy, the encounter with my friend would have not have happened as that. It would not, we've missed each other again. And maybe he would have not reached out. I don't know. But the voice in my head. Wow. Trusting the feeling, the feeling. And look, and then and then he wrote me a check and I had the training camp and I won the title. I won the IBF title with Freddie Roach in my corner in Madison Square Garden. So cool. Man. So that testimony has changed again. I, and, and, and yes, it doesn't mean I always listen, but, so, you know, but, but, but I catch my, like, like it's, it's, I trust the feeling, man. I trust the emotion. I, tr I trust it. I, I can tell you one, I was supposed to go downtown to go teach at so old class, a boxing seminar. Mm -hmm. And I got this feeling that I wanted to cancel the class. I got this feeling like for no reason, I was like, Maybe I should, I don't want to go downtown. Like I just got this weird feeling that canceled tonight's class. Maybe I, I felt that. And I ignored it. And I got in my car and I drove to show house and this lady skips the red lights and she T-bones me. She hits me on the passenger side. My airbag hits out. My car's a write-off. I walked out with no scratches. Wow. But again, but again, I got the feeling that I wanted to cancel the class. I ignored it and I got in a car accident. Wow. And I'm like, man, we ignore these feelings. We ignore these signs. We ignore them. You know, I tell people, I say, God speaks to us. We just choose to ignore whatever signs or feelings or whatever. We, we ignore them. That's deep. <laughs> I appreciate that, Chris. Sorry, I, no, I really do. I, no, <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's really, I think it's really, it's not just deep. I think it's really true. 
I think, you know, the intuitive nudges, I call them nudges. The intuitive yeah. nudges come all the time and it's up to us, right? We get that choice. We get that free will. We free will. Free will. God gives us free will. Yeah. Otherwise, he wouldn't be a God of love. He gives us free will. But he always, he's always there when we come back. And that's the thing. He, he's just waiting on us to come back. That's yeah. all. But he gives yeah. us free will. Uh, Chris, I know we're over time. Do you have a few more minutes? Because I just have a few more things. Well, okay, let's go, my guy. If my phone dies, my battery's dead. Okay, but, okay. Well, just no, real quick. Let's go. Let's let, go. Let's, let's make these kind of quick ones. Just mention your experience uh, sparring with Conor McGregor. Oh, man. Again, again, again. A lot of people in this world, a lot of people in this world miss the opportunity of success because they're afraid to take risks. I went home for a month after winning my headline fight in Las Vegas. I did it, achieved it. Went home for a month, went to go see my family. I was lazy. I said, you know what? I'm going to spend time with family. I'm not going to go to the gym. I'm not going to train. I'm going to be just, I'll do my road work, but I'm not boxing. I got back on a plane and I got a phone call as I landed from, from the gym owner. He said, hey, I know you just landed. It was all over social media. Can you come to the gym? There's someone, someone that wants to see you. I went to the gym. And in walks Conor McGregor with his entourage. I was like, holy shit, he's bigger than... Uh, the first gym person was like, he's bigger than... I thought he was like, he's big dude. <laughs> and Conor's like, hey, Chris, nice to meet you. Now, at the time, Conor was getting ready for a rematch with Nate Diaz, which is right. a southpaw. I'm a southpaw. So I know where this was heading. He was getting... And he said, I, 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 you know, I would wonder if you could help me with some sparring. Now, also, me, I knew two things. One, that's the moment... That was the start of the conversation with... Connor and Floyd, right? That was the start. So everyone was like making a big thing about it. So I knew that if I say yes to this, everyone is going to want to know who I am because I'm a fighter, Connor McGregor, Floyd, whatever. But then again, I was like, I'm out of shape. He's bigger than me. If I say yes, he could beat me up. I could look bad. That's my name being through the mud. Or I could do good or get my name out there and everyone will know who I am. So I had like a, a window of a few seconds to answer. And I said, yes, I'll do it. And he said, when? I said, yeah. he said, now. I said, oh, I just got off a plane, but I'll go get my stuff. So I go, went home, got my stuff, came back. And the, the, the first sparring session was behind closed doors. I'm going to say you this. The video footage that has on the internet is the second sparring session. The first sparring session, and I can bring in people you can talk to that was there. I, I busted him. My, my white shirt had his blood on because it was, I had to show him that I'm the man here. But after the first sparring session, we now I felt like I've showed him that I'm the alpha. This is my world. Now I can help him. So we had a second sparring session a few days later and he walked up with a bunch of camera people. And I said, no, Connor. I said, come on. And he looked at me in my eyes and he shook my hand and he said to me, Chris, I give you my word. This is between us. Like I just want to, I just want to study my my mistakes. So I said yes, of course. Being I, I felt he was genuine, but being a professional, I had someone standing on a corner with an iPhone to have my own backup. Now he didn't know that. I told him after that. I told my friend. I said, take out your phone just so I have backup. Whatever. I just, I just had that feeling to do that, and I did it. Thank goodness I did. Act on my feelings. My emotion and um so we have the sponsors now it was a way you gotta understand it was a different sponsors because i felt like i've how i showed him that i'm the alpha male so now i can actually help him and teach him and we can move around and we're gonna so that's why if you look at this the, the youtube footage my hands are down i make jokes my hands are down he hits me i hit him 
But if you look at the unedited version, you still see that I schooled him. I still beat him. So the un so the end of the sparring session, we shake hands. Connor, the coolest dude. He was so cool. Like, like listen to me when I speak. He was humble. He was nice. He took photos. He was cool. He edited the footage. Him and his team edited some footage. It went all over TMZ. It looked like he beat me up. Of course, they tried to sell the Mayweather fight. Right. Of course. Right. They tried. So it made me look bad. I, again, for three weeks, locked out all of my social media because people were making most fun of me. Slammed me. You're done. You're washed up. You know, you have no future. Blah, 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 blah. You got beaten by MMA fighter. But I still had the unedited footage. Yeah, yeah. And I reached out to a friend of mine. And I said, hey, he goes, Chris, you've got two choices here. You can leave it and you can kiss your career goodbye or let me give TMZ the, the unedited footage and then do with it what you want. So I went that way. Clearly, the tables turned. It was like, oh, wait, Chris played with this dude. Like, even though he, like, Chris played with him. And um, to this day, Connor has not reached out to me because he uh -huh. knows. To this day, because he know we shook hands, he looked me in my face and he promised me this won't leak. And it leaked. And he just didn't know I had backup. But it was an amazing experience because everything happened like I knew. I took the risk and I got my name out there. Every fight. Yeah. And I was, I was on 50-something radio stations around the world. I was on sports right. scene. I was on ESPN. I was on Fox. Right. So my name got out there. Right. Which is and yeah. it worked to my favor. Yeah. That was my experience. Wow. I appreciate you sharing that here. Yeah. Um that's Chris, gonna I know, be a documentary as well. Yeah, I know. I can't wait for that. And speaking of that, this is what I want to do to finish. I want you to define fulfillment for you, and then I want you to go into anything you want to promote, including that documentary. Okay, fulfillment for me is again is like I made a post success, right? It's one putting out goals and and targets that one wants to hit and for me performance means hitting those targets whatever that means and whatever that goal means is for me to hit those targets of like like that makes me feel good and two being able to be in a position like right now where i get to share my story and be vulnerable and see that i can there's a this is something when i speak to people and i spark something and i see a smile on their face that feeling yeah. is unbelievable i feel so fulfilled because i feel like like Muhammad ali said the price to pay the price to pay on this earth no the service to our service to others is the rent we pay for room on this earth we are what are we if, if we are not on this earth to be a service to others in whatever way so me doing this i feel i'm in the service i'm the right one person might hear this and feel inspired so yeah. that is fulfillment to me Beautiful. And two, two, we are currently busy, blessed again, visions. We are, I'm currently in congratulations on your book because I'm now busy with my book. And, awesome. and I'm so, awesome. I'm so excited, man, because I, in a book, I can tell so many stories about Tyson and, and you know, we can go way deep into this. Yeah. Yeah. And two, yeah. We are busy with a documentary again. A lot of people already get it. They go, Oh, why are you doing a documentary? What have you achieved? 
I'm like, okay, um, yeah, I'm not the current world champion anymore and I've not fought for all the belts, but I'm a small town from a small boy from a small town from South Africa. I made it out to America. I had visions, dreams, and goals that I've achieved. My story, my documentary is to give back to my dad. My documentary is focused on the love of a father and a son and how my dad inspired me to achieve these things. Um, so my documentary is to give back and show how a parent can affect a child's life. And, 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 and I just want to give back to my, to my dad. And, and my yeah. documentary is going to point out to all these things that the small town visions. Um, so we're busy with that. So, so that's where Beautiful. I'm at right now. And I'm going to be very honest. Mm-hmm. I am in a position where I'm contemplating retirement. I'm 36 years old. You know, I'm, you know it's, it's sad to say every athlete. And, yeah. and what is next for Chris, right? I am, I do find myself sometimes, you know, um, like, like this lost um, because I don't know what's next. I want to move away from the idea that I'm a fighter because I want to be. And it's, I'm in, I'm in a scary place. Yeah. But I do have new visions now. And I see the vision so clearly. One, documentary has been a vision always. The yeah. book has been a vision and I'm just finally happening. So I'm like, I'm on the right path. Like I'm like, it's going to happen. But I have this vision. I, I just have this vision now where I see myself on stage and I talk to people Let's and I go. share my testimonies and I, you know, I make a life out of that. Yeah, man. Let's it's go. God. And I believe in it. I believe in it. But again, sometimes I find myself in unbelief and then I just got to shake myself and say, I'm a believer. I know. I've been through this. You, I've been through this. I just got to stay on the path. So my guy, on that hey, note, I want to say thank you for hey. listening to me. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to talk to you. And um, man, I hope, I, I, I'm looking forward to, to more of this and then stay in touch with you. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, thank you so much, man, for your time and for your vulnerability and authenticity. And I appreciate you. And maybe we'll have you back on when that documentary comes out. Um, oh, man. Don't, don't go you. anywhere. Um, but for the listeners, everyone, thank you for staying with us. Uh, please remember to like, subscribe and share everybody stay inspired y'all.